welcome to the Panoramic Outdoors Podcast, connecting you to all things outdoors. Online episode 142 here and today we got the the trio around the table which is exciting little factoid we got myself tristan here i'll be kind of hosting and walking us through the episode today we got a whitetail roundup we're going to talk a little about or quite a bit about our past whitetail season in the fall of 2020 here and uh we got chase and sheldon too are going to walk us through that sheldon how are you doing good did you say fall of 2020 because i don't remember what happened 20 years ago 2022 2022 no everything's good over here i was actually just i just went outside to grab someone in my truck and i'm it was a very mild night in brandon nice out and i was just thinking about those deer i'm like they've been having a pretty decent winter uh not too much snow over here and it's been fairly fairly mild the last little while so all about the deer tonight totally totally and then the the other one on the the hot mic over there is Chase out in Oak Bank. Chase, how you doing? Doing good, doing good. Just uh, yeah, same thing. Enjoyed a little bit of uh, the the milder winter weather today. Um, split a bunch of firewood after supper today, and and uh, yeah, now we're here. Where were you fishing today? I was on the lake today. The big lake. The big lake. The big smoke. Big windy, and um, I went out pretty early. Um, what I, I guess I, I left home around like six 45 ish kind of thing, or maybe it was seven, probably closer to seven. And, uh, anyways, um, marked a few fish first thing in the morning, nothing kind of sh- bit though. And then, uh, had one bite, uh, mid morning and then, uh, decided to, to spread out a little bit from where I was shacked up at and, uh, ended up having a nice little, quick afternoon bite there for about an hour had about five bites and managed to haul two eaters topside so oh, nice. not bad little volley there yeah so were you so then did you decide that you might have to go break into one of the canuck outfitter trailers and i was just, just gonna ask did you see the canuck <laughs> units out there i didn't no no and i didn't i didn't think about it i was i had to get uh actually had to get home and uh um my mom was coming over to to look after the boys and I had a little bit of work to do, but, uh, I was, it was actually a nice day on the lake today. So I, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't too, like it wasn't too cold out. So I wasn't, uh, you know, thinking of the, the nice warm shack. I, was, I had more, uh, fish on the mind today for sure. Nice. The thing is, um, I, we, we got to give another shout out to Canuck Outfitters. They were very generous and let us use one of their trailers there a couple weekends ago. If you haven't listened to our little uh, review about it in the Baba Zumi po- podcast episode, go check it out. But that's Canuck Outfitters. If you're looking to go ice fishing on Lake Winnipeg, go check out their website. They've got some setups so you can like run and gun. So you have like the tent style setups and they also have their trailers where they also have like one of, what'd you say? Three companies that have permits. Yeah. So you on can Lake Winnipeg. on Lake Winnipeg. So you can stay the night and, yeah. you know, spend as much time as you want out there. They got everything set up, propane, heat, propane, you know, uh, st- uh, stove and oven even. So check them out. Uh, Canuck 
Outfitters. Yeah, and that's that's K A N N N U K, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. So not your typical Canuck spelling. So make sure you get that spelling right. And it's uh, I like like we said in the last last episode there too. It's pretty much turnkey operation when when you show up. Uh, Matt had all the holes and everything drilled for you. Right, the whole place was ready to roll when you got there. So. All you need is a fishing rod. And sometimes I think they even had a couple of rods there. Yeah. Then some tackle too. Like all you had to do is connect your phone to Bluetooth, turn on some tunes, sit back and watch the screen. (laughs) Wham, bam. I hate to say it, but I don't think there'll be a time where I hit the ice now on Lake Winnipeg where I don't think of those Canuck units. So I don't know if I've been spoiled for the rest of my fishing experiences, but that was, that was a cat's ass as uh, some of the, the folks I know would say. Uh, but we're not here to talk. We're not here to talk fish today. We're going to talk a little whitetail. We'll do uh, the whitetail roundup, we call it. And we do this every year. It's, it's one of my, my favorite podcasts because we, we actually get a chance, especially with COVID. We, ha- we haven't been doing a lot of camps or there's been either COVID or babies getting in the way. Uh, so it's kind of our chance to, to debrief, tell a story or to shoot some shit. And we get to see what the what the year was like for uh for the past year season so uh i guess maybe we'll start with the the archery season there sheldon i know your your season got kind of fucked up with all your the hydro work you had to do in the in the fall there because of the fires but uh like do you want to maybe let us know how your how your archery season went because you you normally hunt around nipawa there right yeah that's right i hunt around nipawa area um my archery season yeah it was the same the second year in a row i was fucking working like constantly and this time working really far up north in uh puckinawagan which if you look on a map it's like by the saskatchewan border northern manitoba by flinflon and uh so i was up there and it's like a fly-in so it's not like you can like get out on the weekends um so yeah my archery season was very very limited i did get out and sit a few times um and the thing is is though for me is that when i do get to sit in seasons where i'm not prepared i almost feel guilty because i'm kind of going on my old man's coattails like going by what he's seeing and he's checking all the cameras he's putting in all the work and then he's so nice enough to put me in the stands where he figures you know the deer are going to be coming out and the one i guess the one good story i can tell you about my archery seasons i got to sit you know a handful of times he put me in the stand we call it the quentin stand um, my cousin shot a nice buck out of it one year so it's called the quentin stand and so i'm sitting there and like generally normally the like if i was, let's just say i'm you know facing to the east generally the deer come from the north heading to the south and i'm kind of intersecting them on this trail and that's how they normally come out every year so I, and because i didn't get to scout that much and i wasn't checking cameras i wasn't too i wasn't thinking any much differently but I was sitting there playing on my phone, of course. And then all of a sudden there's a, a doe and, and a calf like right out in front of me. And I'm like, well, where did they come from? Like, I've been watching the trail. Like, there's no way they could have came out right in front of me without me like spotting them. Cause I was like, yeah, sure. I was on my phone a little bit, but I was watching too. So anyways, they kind of went off and they went to go feed. So whatever, I'm just sitting there and it's getting to about just about prime time and usually i put my phone away at prime time and like that's it like this is still early in the night and i'm on my phone or no i was on my phone put it away and put my binoculars up because there's deer out in the field and i was kind of watching them 
trying to see if I could see any horns. And then on my peripherals, I seen this deer come out from right behind the tree stand. So then I'm thinking, this is where these deer are coming out. They're coming out from behind the tree stand now. They're not coming east to west, or sorry, north to south. So I'm like, oh, fuck, you know? So I'm like trying to put my binoculars down slow so I can see what the hell this deer is. And it's a nice buck. So I'm like, damn it. So I'm like, don't know what to do. So I'm just like sitting there with the binoculars in front of my face. And and then he kind of gets down and he starts, you know, meandering through the grass, kind of like chewing on some stuff. So I got my binoculars down and kind of almost put away and he looked up at me and he knew something was wrong. He could smell a rat. And, um, yeah, I couldn't even pick up my bow. He was there probably for a good 30 seconds. And yeah, he kind of got, got weary on the situation, I think. And I didn't spook him by any means, but he just, he, he knew there was something up. So he kind of just walked away, walked out into the middle of the field, about 250 yards with the, there's about three or four other does and calves and just kind of fed with them. And, and yeah, I was just wandering around and no shot. So that was my big story archery. If I would have been, uh, if I, wow, there's no way I could, I there's no excuse I can make if, and if they're coming out right from right behind me, I, and you can't hear them in that type time in the season. It's not like there's crunchy leaves everywhere. So, um, stealth mode 101. Man, that's a tough one because I think, you know, I, I spent some time, I probably got out for about five or six sits, I would say, um, this archery season. And <laughs> we, we were largely hunting a bean field, uh, near Beaujolais. And for those folks who are in from Manitoba, the, the archery season in the South runs for about August 29th was the start date this year for whitetail. And it'll, it'll run all the way to the general season, which is rifle season. Um, and you could even use your bow in, in rifle season there. You just gotta be a little extra careful. Um, but I was, I was sitting on the beans and I, I found just with that, like you identified the limited amount of time to both scout and sit that you just got to kind of hope you get lucky in that situation and that you don't have time to pattern a deer. You don't have time to, to do that kind of stuff. Um, I had a couple big deer on one of my early sits just come out to the, the South side of the, the field, like the complete opposite side of the field for me on the, on the beans. And they were just messing around and I was watching them through my binos. I could just see them fighting uh, probably three, 400 yards away. They were, one was making a, a working a rub line just down the, the trees on the other side. And there was actually another fellow that we, we hunt with that that's in that area. And he texted me later that day and let me know that those bucks had actually come out about 200 yards to the east of me on the same bush line. So like, had I been 200 yards over something, you know, 150 yards over, I actually might've had a shot at these things, but I just didn't know that going into the situation. Right. So I, I definitely felt the time crunch. The, the other thing that kind of fucked us was we got those new blinds last year. Do you remember those? Oh yeah. I'm still using mine. Yeah. Oh, Mine's yeah. in like pretty much perfect shape, by the way. Nice. Just, just to throw that out there. Cause we, <laughs> we, we set ours up relatively early. And uh, it got hammered by a bear, not once, not twice, but I think three or four times. They eh, chase like just yeah. absolutely demolished. Yeah, she got tacoed a bunch of times by a bear. And it just the first time wasn't too bad. And I was like, okay, well, we can probably salvage this. But by like time four, just like I got I, I got wrapped up in my garage still 
but I, I don't think there's there's any uh, bringing it back to life. <laughs> well, the, the thing is, is like I would feel sorry for you guys almost, but you know, you watch Tristan's stories on Instagram and he's eating cheesies and Chase has got his kids and they're having snacks and like the bear is just like <laughs> it's the snack zone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes there's compromises to be made. Absolutely. That's the first time our blind's been taken out like that. I'll have you note though. Yeah. Chase, an excuse to uh to get another one for next year. A bigger, harder, larger one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, one thing I will mention about the blinds. I run the same one. It's a baronet. I think it's called a big cat. And those big blinds are so nice to hunt out of, except for one thing I found this year is that when you're in a windstorm, you don't want to be in that thing because <laughs> it just sits there and just like everything's flapping. You can't get anything secured. At one point, I was like sitting on the chair with both hands in the air holding it down and like i had it tied down pegged down but the pegs came out like it was crazy but those big blinds man i just all i thought about was like it's gonna parachute the fuck out of here <laughs> yeah they, they don't give you uh much for pegs to, no. to hold that thing down with they're more like little toothpicks than anything yeah so you definitely have to have it tied to something solid like a tree or uh something like that yeah or just buy better pegs too i i would think would be a, a one way <laughs> yeah. to do that yeah for sure and then Chase, you were hunting a similar area to me there, but you you had a little bit more. You were getting out for a few more sets and were able to like put some time in and and kind of. Uh, well, you, why don't you tell us what was up for this this year's archery? Uh, yeah, so I actually didn't do a whole bunch of um, archery hunting in the archery season for whitetail. Uh, I spent most of the archery whitetail season hunting elk, and then. Uh, I thought I would slide out a couple times during the week, but I spent, I was lucky enough to spend most of my time elk hunting on the weekends and then, uh, went into moose, the moose hunt. And then after the moose hunt is when I kind of buckled down a little bit more and did some, some archery hunting, um, around home. Cause the area we hunt is the archery only zone. So it's, it's easy to to archery hunt it you know you're not having that that uh that uh debate in your mind whether you should take the rifle or the or the bow because you can't take the rifle mm -hmm. and and uh but i did get out for quite a few archery hunts which was nice and had some productive ones and some slower ones and then uh, the, the deer were just not in the same area that they were last year kind of thing there there was still a few around but like last year there was there was nights there where we we're seeing like 30 40 deer in a set and uh, we certainly didn't see that this year. Yeah. Okay. I want to, I want to stop you there. Cause I want to ask, like, I'll agree with you. Like we, we definitely weren't seeing the numbers and the, like the traffic that we normally were seeing. Mm -hmm. And well, while I was seeing some good bucks on Instagram, it, well, I don't know. What do you guys think? Like was for both quantity and quality of deer this year, what, how would you compare it to last year? We got to like with the, with the comment being like, we got a shit ton of snow in the winter of 2022 there. Right. Right. And yeah, it's cold and it was brutal. It's probably one of the coldest and brutalest winters that we've had in what, like a couple decades. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, that, and that's the thing that I thought was crazy because when we were in deer hunting season, we we're sitting around talking about it and I didn't really realize how bad that winter was for the deer. And you know, the, I, I remember some years like there'd be deer sit like laying on the side of the gravel roads 
because they're so weak and stuff, just eating whatever they could, like grass or whatever. Um, but I didn't see that during the winter. So I guess come fall, I had high expectations of lots of deer around, but as the fall was, you know, turning into winter, I started realizing there wasn't that many deer around. And, you know, it's actually funny because we were talking to a couple guys that farm near uh, where we hunt and they had a hay yard and they were telling us like this winter, like this late fall or early winter that last year they had a bunch of deer in their hay yards and stuff that like, like dying all over the place. Um, So yeah, the winter was definitely tough on them. And for number wise, I mean, now that you like, now that we start talking about and thinking about it, like, yeah, that winter was super tough, but they still did pretty good. Like there's still deer around. And there was like, cause I'm trying to compare it to like, four or five maybe six years ago where it was tough to even find a buck you know so there's definitely still bucks around there's still quite quite a few deer around um but if they have another tough winter like they did last year this year we might be in big trouble next next fall but like i was saying earlier in the intro kind of thing like the it's been mild we've been having some pretty good luck so fingers crossed i don't know about you chase and tristan in your area but over in the west side here yeah there's definitely deer but the numbers they were way higher last year for sure mm-hmm. yeah same on our end too um not to get too far off track but like the there's definitely some some deer around um numbers seemed a little bit lower and i don't know if that was due to just the the shift in food source maybe or something may have pushed them to a different food source um because i mean uh like in a winter like that like deer aren't going to stick around in an area if they can't get to the food so they, they very well might have might might have moved out and in uh the summertime i went for like a walk into the bush where they were living last fall and it was like 70 percent flooded i would say that right. bush so um i don't think there's too much hanging out there in the summer months either um uh, <clears throat> And then, like in the the big bush country that we're in, too, the the numbers were down quite a bit. I feel like because I went the one day I went for the one day I did hunt out there, I went for a walk in the in the big woods, and there was like I cut very few tracks where normally we see quite a few, quite a bit of movement. So yeah, the the one aha moment, or maybe like the one weird thing I, I'm thinking of is like when we were coming back from that fishing trip at all terrain bear hunt there that that was the spring and the the winter was just breaking at that point in time and we were coming chase and i drove straight through the inner lake at that point in time Mm -hmm. and we had hit one stretch of highway where i think we had counted like 20 or 30 dead deer on the side of the highway because the deer at that point in the day and the year were just stacked up on the on the side of the road, like Sheldon had said, and they were just getting smacked left, right, and center. So they seemed, they almost seemed like really desperate in the spring at that point in time. And like, I feel like a lot of them just got taken out in the spring, either like being too scrawny or just being too desperate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, uh, well, remember that one that we had to dispatch because it got hit by a vehicle and it's like, both his legs were broken and uh when we ended up catching up to it it was just all skin and bones pretty much in the spring so it was, it was a pretty pretty grim moment realizing what kind of shape that the deer herd were in and uh i actually i was at talking to tommy myers the other day too and he said um deer numbers from the inner lake were down quite a bit that that he received in his shop this year as well 
So yeah, even the big like head nights and stuff, I think we're down in numbers. Like, didn't you attend the one in Brandon here, Chase? There was there was there lots of people with with animals here. Yeah, they I think the yeah, so they got they they received about half of the attendance or half of the the submissions that they thought they would for the head night in Brandon. And I think that has to do with a couple of things. Um it could certainly have some um reflection on on what the the near deer numbers were, but also with the new CWD testing and stuff like that too. Right. Because like if you're because you're supposed to get it tested within two or three days after harvesting the animal. So um, if the guys are taking them to a taxidermist to get them tested, I, I don't think there's too many guys that'll take them there. And unless it's a really big buck, right. You know, if they're, if they're taking it there to, to get it mounted or whatever, you know, they're not, they're not going to take it there to get tested and then to take it to the buck show. And then I'm sure there's a, probably a bunch of or a handful of guys or hunters that just didn't get them tested and didn't want to bring them in because they know. weren't tested yeah. yeah 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 that makes sense huh and then so yeah i think we even even where we are tree hunting chase we didn't see the same level of sign consistently i would say that we saw the year previously yeah there were a few days when i was out there that the sign was insane i'll say yeah. that yeah, but leading up to that, yeah, there was definitely there. There was a point there too, and we're talking about scouting the area. And I, I didn't do any scouting prior. We didn't even have cameras up this year, which was embarrassing to say, a little bit, because um, normally we do. Um, but I, I had been hunting for a few days there, and uh, I had one encounter with that good one good buck, which was which was kind of neat because I watched this buck kind of come out. And by good buck, I, I don't mean like a booner by any means. I mean like something that would top the list for my largest archery deer kind of thing. So I watched this buck come out on the on the south side of the field. I was sitting on the north side and he worked his way across the field. And I just kind of thought to myself, well, if he kind of goes over to this spot, I'll sneak through the bush and try and stalk in on him and get an arrow in, in on him. And it was super windy out, so it was a perfect day. And uh that's exactly what he did. It was, it was kind of weird. And, um, I ended up stalking into 26 yards and, uh, I just stepped on the twig at 26 yards and he kind of busted me. And there was one little willow tree in between him and I, and, and, uh, that's how our paths parted. So, um, really excited encounter though, stalking into that deer. Um, but after that, I, I didn't see a whole bunch and then I actually took a day, the next day I had available to go out hunting. I just, I took it to go do some scouting and, um, yeah, I didn't see much for, for the like overall deer numbers like we normally would. And, uh, did, did see some stuff that kind of, I, I made some plays on. I switched over to a different field for a little bit, uh, some tree foil. And, um, that's, uh, that's where I ended up arrowing my buck in the rut, which was kind of cool. Yeah, before we get into that, I, I want to say you, you were texting me. You were live texting me when you were putting the stock on that 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 other buck there that you were chasing before you. Yeah, and that was exciting because I wasn't able to get out as much as I wanted to. So, so to get the the play by play was kind of like just thrilling. To I was waiting for the little text bubble to pop up every time. Yeah, <laughs> it was exciting. And you know what? I did at one point. I did have a shot 
um because he, he w- kind of walked back into the some sparsely some sparse like old growth poplar mm-hmm. and he stopped and his his like front was covered and his rear end was covered and it was just i always seem to say, like get any situations as like right at dark and um at full draw on an animal and it's i just don't have the confidence in, in where the arrow is going to go and it didn't have a good range on him and mm-hmm. i couldn't tell exactly where like his his uh the kill zone was on him so i just i drew down and didn't take the shot um i got a couple questions yep are you ready for them or are you gonna finish that thought or is there that's it i'm done yeah fire away so halfway to lockport there shellen yeah um (laughs) yeah exactly so when you were stalking this deer is that like like you were in a tree stand you got other tree stand and was stalking them or like how did i go or did i miss so i was so so this is post blind destruction so i kind of sat there's this little hill in the corner of the field that we're that we're hunting and on the north side and there's this drainage just running through it so on the north side is where there's all this corn planted and it's a different different owner so we can't hunt it but i still kind of wanted to keep an eye on it to see if there's anything coming out there and then uh and then, so yeah, this buck came came out to the south of me, straight south of me, kind of thing, and worked his way southeast or southwest or north, worked his way northwest towards me. No one can see the field anyway, so it doesn't really matter. And yeah. everyone just went in a circle. So yeah, sorry about that. If everyone's dizzy, um, and then uh, I I kind of cut through this this little bush to try and cut him off, and then eventually I had to walk right along the bush line, and he was kind of hidden behind a point when I was stalking up to him. And when, when I turned that point is when I stepped on a twig and he busted me. So, yeah. Cause like my, my thinking, or I have this thing, I guess in my mind is that, does that mess up your like future hunts for that area when you're stalking around and leaving scent, especially in archery? Like, do you find that or do you, or would you hunt that again right away? I know you said you switched up fields and did a bunch of other stuff, but what was your like boots on the ground? Um, outcome like would you like is that good or is it bad or does it do anything to the deer when you're marching um, around well i mean we were right in that area already and it was kind of like right the mid like pre-rut so there there was quite a bit of deer movement happening so i don't think it had that much effect on it and i mean i was i don't know i was stomping around it was muddy and i feel like there's pretty decent cover scent on my boots and stuff like that already yeah because it was a pretty wet fall there for a bit. Yeah, for sure. Didn't you guys get out to a camp together, like a, an overnight or something like that? We did, yeah. That was a that was a fun time. We uh, got together for it was muzzleloader or no? It was the last little bit of archery season, I guess. Eh? Or it could have um, been the first. It was right after Halloween, yeah. wasn't it? Anyways, it doesn't really matter. But yeah, we got on to go for a couple hunts, and we actually my my old man shot a deer. And uh, so we got to be a part of that. So that was pretty fun. Yeah, I really that was enjoyed good. that. Yeah, it was wicked. And it's it's kind of funny because it'd be nice for him to tell the story, but it's it was kind of funny to to hear him in the shop because we he he made the shot or whatever. He texted me, but I never got the text. And I went back to the shop where we kind of like get together at the end of the hunts. Um, Chase got we were both in there, and then he comes in and he's smiling like. You know, the old Tomcat just got a mouse kind of thing. And like, what's up? And he's like, 
oh man, like a nice buck came out. I, I didn't have much time to take a look. I took a shot. It, it was a good shot. You know, like he was pretty pumped up about it. So I, I, there's no doubt in my mind that there wasn't a dead deer out there. So we were just kind of giving it some time to, to, uh, to die. And we we're going to go out there and get it. So we <laughs> got to get a, a few stories from him before he went to go get it. And uh, then when we got out there and following the blood trail, I knew he was pretty pumped up. I haven't seen him like that for a long time. So it's pretty, pretty fun to see, see your mentor and get pretty jacked up about a deer. He's yeah. Probably shot like 40 of them. So this is like, you know what I mean? Like I, it's always exciting when that happens. That was cool. And that thing, that thing went right into the middle of a slough. Yeah. To die. <laughs> yeah yeah it was a it was a it was a crazy shot because he shot it like looking right at him so and it was a perfect shot um but yeah ran probably maybe 100 yards and yeah right in the middle of that long long slew grass and wet bottom and it was it wasn't that bad the three of us to drag him out it was all good yeah so head on shot and how was the blood trail well chase you're in the first part of it so maybe you can talk about that but where i kind of i kind of went around this little point and kind of waited for the guys to come through and um we got on the blood trail again right away going into the sewer and there's lots of blood in there but the initial spot there wasn't much was there chase no it it was weird because like i don't think there was even though i think he got a full pass through you got a pass through and a head on shot yeah, so the way the angle was, it was like he shot it in the neck, in the throat, and then it passed through his chest cavity. And it like, how far was the, the shot? Got the side of his heart. I think he was like 16 yards or something, he said. Yeah. Holy man. Got it's the side tight. of his heart? Yeah. And uh, maybe some lungs too, but like his, his throat and his like neck were all messed up in those arteries too. So it was it was kind of weird because like there wasn't anything didn't seem like anything coming out from the bottom of him but he was like spraying blood all over the place and just like when you got into the reeds it was like mopped all over the the reeds and stuff like that yeah yeah i'm amazed he went 100 yards yeah so am i yeah Yeah. and did you recover the arrow no we never did that that was the weird thing because when we're when we're gutting them like skinning them and we're gutting them and both chase and i were like yeah just watch there's probably an arrow in there and we never really did do much investigation on where the exit where it exited but yeah there's no arrow in them we didn't find the arrow but yeah it was a good shot it was a clean shot and got them all cleaned up and the the funny the other funny thing about this deer is that he he came off like his head and he was like high and he wasn't really wide but he was high and he wasn't he wasn't huge but i could totally see it you know when you have that 10 second decision or whatever it was like to make that shot or not you know and it's a nice tall buck you know i i almost think when, when my dad got to it he's like oh no like a little ground shrinkage you know what i mean like <laughs> the old the old story but i think he was pretty happy with it too that's awesome yeah so you got, you guys got in on that then eh so you were you were there almost front row aside from the shot you were you were there for most of it yeah there for most of it and then not only that got it back to the old uh, hanging tree and meat pole and got it skinned out and we pulled um the back one of the back straps i believe off and the liver and got into the shop had a few drinks and started frying up some meat threw in some catch and cook crunchy on the stuff and and then so we first we had back strap or maybe we had a tenderloin i can't remember what it was um but it didn't matter it was freaking delicious and then chase 
fried up the that liver with onions and um i've never had fresh liver like that before and very very surprised i was i was hooked like my next year you know what i mean like i'm gonna start taking the liver and, and frying it up fresh like that yeah i don't i don't crave it often but if you if someone does it right it is like surprisingly tasty like it's really really good right yeah i wouldn't eat it every day but once a season man i think that's a perfect snack yeah totally and then chase i was gonna say our dad got a deer this year for the first time without us in a while yeah that's true so that was kind of that was kind of fun and like uh i don't say an eye opener but like like it was kind of like holy shit he he kind of did it because like normally for the past few years he's just been kind of like waiting till we go out and, and going out with us but i think because we've been so busy lately he just kind of said f it and and went with one of his buddies mm-hmm. and uh i think both you and i were looking at it as like one of these situations where well uh the the dice could go either way on this this kind of scenario here and let's just hope that they they land on a good one but uh yeah, I, I remember getting the text that they were they were out that day out near Fisher Branch and uh, which is the, the kind of the heart of the inner lake in Manitoba here, and they were able to put a couple flatheads down, eh? Those guys. Yep, yep, they certainly were. So they were sounding like a pretty good day. I know my dad hasn't been out hunting too much with his uh, with his old crew there for a while, so it sounded like they had a good time and had a had a trophy night there on the on the farm and. Uh, yeah put together a good little hunt that's cool did they did he like phone one of you guys and was like pretty jacked up or or was he just like not a big deal i'm kind of kind of a pro at this you know what he was kind of i remember he's kind of like reporting via text because we're in a group chat with him together and he was reporting like it was kind of like the play-by-play of sorts okay like oscar's got one down oh i'm looking at one here oh, <laughs> deer down he's da- how- she's down <laughs> Yeah. That's how the texts sound too, hey? Yeah, that's exactly how exactly <laughs> But I did make a point of calling them later that day after they got like, or the next day after they got homed and uh, just to get the story from them there because that's that's pretty awesome that he, he went out there and he, he got her done. And and uh, yeah, he uh, he added some meat to the freezer this year. So that was just, that's really cool. I think that's I think great. he he got it cleaned up like the day later or something like that. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what the meat unpacks like we'll say yeah Yeah. i like to i like to normally hang my deer for a little while but uh i think he was just super excited yeah Yeah. i'm sure it'll be fine especially out of that dough yeah and then uh sheldon did you get out for rifle much because i know i only got out i only got out for the one day but it was kind of like a late start to the rifle season this year i don't know what do you guys think like it, it started i know the guys that we normally go to camp with Actually, me and Chase didn't make it up to camp this year for the first time in like probably 15 years. There was no dry lake representation up in the Duck Mountain area of, of Manitoba. Mm-hmm. And, They're probably uh, like, finally. <laughs> the deer. You mean the deer were probably yeah, like, yeah, exactly. The deer, yeah. yeah. The, deer, well, the other, other the deer set of brothers. Like blues. Other set of, set of brothers never never made it up there as well. It was just... Uh, just timmy and his kind of crew yeah 
So uh, it was kind of sad not to be up in camp this year, but uh, also like they were saying, it's a, they felt like it was a late start to the season. So that kind of put a dent in some things, I think. But I don't know. What do you think, Sheldon? Like how, how did your rifle season go? Well, I'll tell you a story before rifle season. And it's, the only reason why I'll tell it because it's a heartbreaker um, and kind of learning lesson too. But so I got off work and it was the, so rifle season started on, I believe the Monday, whatever days of, I can't remember the dates, but I got home on the Friday and I got home like three o'clock. And I remember my dad had to go to this Christmas party. So I was going by myself, which was fine. And I had my, I had a crossbow in muzzleloader season. I got a cross, crossbow from Heights there a couple of years ago. So I'm running a PSE and like super accurate with like deadly accurate with it. But lesson learned is like, you still got to shoot your stuff. And I never got to shoot my crossbow that much this fall but I shot my bow lots and my pins on my bow are different than my, obviously my pins on my crossbow. But for some reason I had it in my head that my crossbow pins kind of went like 10, 20, 30, but they don't, they go, my first pin is like 20, 10, like 10 and 20. And then my second pins 30. Um, so anyways, I, I got, I went and sat in that baronet blind and sitting there and it was a it was a shitty night like snowing a little bit it was kind of windy and the deer were coming out kind of always on my right hand side so i was always kind of checking that area out and i seen a couple deer come through and there's these two calves in this doe that would come out every night basically the same spot they came right out right to my blind they're actually like i could have took took the arrow and or the bolt and stuck it out the window and poked the the doe in the eye kind of thing had perfect wind everything was just great that night and it was getting to prime time and I looked and yeah, there's this buck coming down the trail and I didn't know if I was going to shoot him yet. It was a, it was a decent buck, like probably kind of the same thing as what you're saying. Chase is like, it wasn't a booner by any means, but it was, uh, would be one of my bigger bucks. And I didn't really know if I was going to take him or not. So I'm sitting there and he come out like basically on the right-hand side of me and about, I don't know, 60 to 80 yards away and he stood there and, and where I was sitting in this blind is in between two fields and he looked into the to the field to the north and he looked to the field to the south and he seen a doe out the doe and those two calves out way out in the field I think so he came out in front of came out in front of my blind and he was coming and then he stopped and he was looking directly at me but over my he was looking like over my blind he wasn't looking at me he was looking at concentrated something else like around my blind. So I, when he was doing that, I finally got a good look at him and he had these nice, big, like tall brow tines on him. And I was just like, yeah, I'm going to shoot this one. And he, so anyways, I got I was already ready and basically got my, my uh, crossbow up into the center window. And I was basically waiting for him to walk through it. And he came out, you know, 15 yards. And I put my second pin on him thinking, and I put it low and I was just, I don't know what I was thinking. And he, I grunted and he stopped like perfect shot right over its back hmm. and it hit a tree and it smuck behind him behind the tree. And then he took off running about hundred yards out into the field and stopped and then kind of was standing there. And then he walked into the bush and I, initially I was like, fuck yeah, that deer's dead. There's like no question. I'm super confident with that shot. And then I was sitting there and I'm like thinking about it. I was like, well, why didn't he die in the field? Like he was 15 yards away. And I started thinking about it. I'm like, fuck, did I shoot over his back? 
because it was like it was just everything happened so fast and i just was the adrenaline was running i was super excited so i waited and waited and waited till just about dark and uh walked out into the field and went to where i where i took the shot and there was legit like hair on the ground not a speck of blood so i tracked like followed the track out into the field not a speck of blood he'd like i 100 missed him i and yeah my bolt went into the trees behind him so lesson learned that you still got to shoot your equipment and it was honestly there's no other excuse other than it was my mistake i i picked the wrong pin and i was for some reason had archery in my head not crossbow and shot right over its back it was very disappointing and i mean he wasn't he wasn't a record book buck by any means but he would have been my biggest buck um with, with a crossbow for sure and um yeah he was just a nice mature buck and i fucked it up I guess you get into that zone of thinking you're going to take something and then it's, it's super disappointing when it doesn't pan out that way. Oh yeah. I got one more story for you later on in the podcast too. Oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta ask though. Like, uh, did you, did you say 15 yards? Yeah, I did. Your, your, your archery bow is set. Your second pin is 15 yards on your archery bow. What's your first pin set at five no, yards? M- no, my, I know it's weird because I got a five pin. So I have, 10 20 30 40 50 on my bow holy man how do you see out of that thing i don't know man it's just the way i have it set up it's weird i know but um but yeah so i just fucked that up you need to set that first pin to 30 yards can not even shoot anything that's under 30 you just got to be sending arrows like 70 80 yards on that five pinner yeah exactly well the thing is too is like where i where i do a lot of my archery hunting i'm not shooting more than 40 yards 50 yards at the most um the only time i've ever set it up differently is when we went on elk hunts and i had a 60 yard pin but um yeah did you get your bolt back out of that tree no, I couldn't find it. It wasn't like it wasn't like big trees. It was a whole bunch of like yeah, bush and shrub and shit. But we we lost a few arrows this year anyway, so we we're not judging anyone. Yeah, no, that's fine. That's fine. There was a at one deer hunting camp. There was a a hat we used to wear. It said I missed today, and or it was a helmet. Yeah. <laughs> and I needed that helmet that night <laughs> after all the rums I drank. <laughs> <laughs> Oh uh, man, yeah, I would have been wearing that helmet for sure this year. Did you guys get out muzzle loader? Like, or did you kind of just archery transition into a rifle? Yeah, well, for me, for me, that muzzle loader season like uh, was right. Well, November, November second when was Millie came along, so like there was just like kind of like a a no hunt zone occurring. Like you, you can't be more than half an hour 45 minutes away from the house uh at this point in time and most of our like gun spots are what chase chase a couple hours away from the house probably yeah for sure hour and a half at least so it's just kind of not ideal and uh yeah spend more time taking willie out for birds but this isn't a this isn't a bird hunting podcast today so we're not going to talk about that but yeah uh chase and chase you just landed up i think spending most of your time like you were saying doing doing the archery hunt as well into the rifle season eh yeah yeah that's right and then uh yeah i i hunted uh archery right until oh man i arrowed my buck i think on the november 
what was it 12th something like that we can we can do the research yeah here. i can check we, my phone here. we can gotta, figure it out i don't remember did did you get into a couple camps chase did i did i see that correctly did you spend time in like another camp or was that tim i'm thinking of oh yeah no no yeah tim went to nipua okay the fuck was tim doing in nipua <laughs> <laughs> just pissing on your turf there shelly mowing my grass yeah i want to take this time here guys i just want to give out a huge shout out to uh wolove wolove has uh more exciting things out of uh our friends over at wolove apparel they have launched their sister brand northwell apparel northwell builds on the advantages of 100 percent merino wool base layers from wolove and adds in the flexibility and durability of spandex to create a premium mid layer that will keep you warm comfortable and odor free so you can squeeze out the extra time in the ice hunting, snowmobiling, or whatever you're doing this winter. Um, we wore wool of all winter or all winter, all deer season. Can't it's we can't uh, compliment it enough. It, it keeps us in the stands longer. It makes those walks a little bit easier when you get a little bit of sweat on it, wicks it away. You stay warm, you stay cool when you do. So huge shout out to Wool of. You're a big reason why we got out hunting this year and, and stayed comfortable. So thanks yep. to our friends at Wool of. Are we going to bring some of that to the uh, Manitoba Outdoor Show? Oh, yeah. I forgot, to, I forgot to tell you. I talked to them today, and they're sending out a couple packages for the show. So nice. anybody that's going to come to the Manitoba Outdoor Show, come check out our booth. We're going to have Wolove set up, so you can check it out, feel it, touch it. Uh, you might not be able to try it on, but at least you'll be able to check it out and uh, see what it's all about. Sweet. Love it. You know, November, what's this, Chase? I was going to say November 17th is when I arrowed that buck. Oh, nice. I was just saying the one thing they don't tell you about the wool love is how good you look in camp too. They they Stash. don't advertise that on their. I know website. it's like it's kind of like showing off your legs without showing off your legs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it makes the it makes the outhouse sits a little more comfy too. I'll be transparent there. <laughs> November twelfth, you said Chase seventeenth seven. Holy shit! So you were you were into rifle. We were into rifle season at that point in time. I remember the deer were moving. Oh yeah. And you had just caught Carly gives me this look every time it snows like in November because she knows that my brain just goes squirrely. And yeah. you were just on the front end of a pretty gnarly snowstorm, weren't you? Yeah. So it, it was wild. The I like I, I've been out a couple times that week and the the deer sign was just insane. And I was like, I, I gotta sit out here as much as I can this week because it's it's just nuts right now and uh I, I was sitting in the stand and i had i did like the the midday thing kind of i got out to the stand i don't think i sat early in the morning i had a window midday to sit and then i had to pick up the kids at like at the leave the stand by three to pick them up by four o'clock kind of thing that was the deal so i'm like sitting at the stand it's and it's like two o'clock and i haven't seen anything all day and uh, I get a text from Jody. She asked me any action. I was nope, haven't seen a thing all day. And then as soon as I hit the send on that, I look over, <laughs> and there's a little spiker looking at me at like 20 yards. I was like, what the heck? Where did this guy come from? And uh, so he kind of he he's got his eyes on me, and I'm like, all right, well this guy's whatever. He takes off. So I'm like, all right, well, maybe they're 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 out of their beds and they're moving now. We'll see what happens. And sure enough, not even did, five did minutes you later. Did you think about whacking that spike? Oh, totally. Yeah. It was late in the season. I spent a lot of days in the stand. I was like, all right, it's 
I'll whack a spike if I have to. And are you getting, it's, are you getting uh, a little bit of pressure from Jody by that time? Oh yeah, I know, for sure. I know Jody's like a she's like a meat hunter. Eh? She's like just shoot one. Like I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's a it's a three tag zone that we're hunting too. So it was like any does that were coming roaming by, we're gonna get it too. Um, but like five minutes later, I see this other buck moving through the bush to the like hazel brush, like fifty yards, probably like almost hundred yards. Yeah, but 100 yards away from me. So, and it's just a nice fall, like snow, snowy day kind of thing. And uh, so he's just kind of looks like he's cruising for a bruising kind of thing. And I send a couple grunts his way and doesn't doesn't even phase him. Like doesn't even look, ears don't perk up, nothing. So I'm like, what the heck? And uh, earlier in the season, I did a snort wheeze to a, a small buck and he came in on a dime. So I threw a snort wheeze at this buck and he spun on a dime again and like came right towards me and i was like oh it's on like and he's coming through the hazel brush like not even following a trail i was like holy man this guy wants a piece kind of thing so i'm ready i'm excited and he comes into the opening that i'm sitting in and he kind of skirts the one side and he's walking and he's getting pretty close to where i'm like all right he's gonna win me right away if i don't send an arrow um so he was like, he came out at probably like 30, 35, 40 yards. And I let one fly around 35 on him and uh, a shot. And he kind of wheeled backwards a little bit. And, uh, but I heard it hit him and then he kind of ran off, stopped and then took off again. And I was like, all right, well, he got an arrow into him. Like he bounced off a rib somewhere. So it got into his rib cage. So it should be good. That was at like 2.30. So I now have half an hour to find this buck and then leave to go pick up my kids after school. <laughs> last so I, last minute chase here always. Yeah. So I get out of the tree stand and I start looking for blood and the blood blood's there, but it's not great. It's darker blood and it's kind of like, like shot out and like misted on the snow. I start tracking the deer and he's bleeding pretty good when he stops. So I'm like, okay, this is good. So fully expected to find him dead right away and uh i i'm, I'm kind of following his trail it's really easy to track and he beds beds down within like 100 yards and i bump him and then i i'm like all right well he bedded down maybe he'll be like toast right away here so i keep tracking him and he bedded down again the next 100 yards and i bump him again so like all right well i got to get out of here and it's probably better if i just leave him anyways so i left he was heading in the right direction. I bounced. Problem was, it started snowing like a son of a gun on my way out. Like, full-on blizzard when I was driving home. Yeah, it was bad. Side note, called Sheldon on the way back right when I got to my truck and I'm driving out. Caught this monster buck chasing a doe on the field. Like, just a dandy of a buck. <laughs> got me all worked up again. And then it, it was literally a blizzard from when I left. So here's what happened. I left. I had to go pick up my kids. Got my kids. Came back. Then I had to go pick up a kitchen table in Winnipeg. Then come home again. And then uh, I, I didn't get back out to the to the tree stand to like, it was like 7 or 7.30 p.m. So well past dark. What happened um, to that kitchen table? We ended up selling it for profit. Well, like a week, do a quick week later. Yeah. <laughs> had intentions you gotta, you gotta to keep pay it for in, your but... gas yeah. go back over there <laughs> exactly 
Um, so thankfully though, um, when, uh, one of my buddies hopped in with me, uh, came out there and he wanted to help me look for this buck. And, uh, we got back out there. Um, I was using an eye hunter, went to the last place that I found blood, um, found a bed right away again. And then he had gotten up out of the bed and there was like an inch to like two inches of snow now on top of the trail since I'd last been there um so blood was really tough to find and a lot of it was like it was starting to like get dried up you know he was he had the last place he bedded it literally looked like somebody took like a kettle of blood and like poured it into the bed in the one area and i was like holy smokes like why is this deer still alive it was insane um so anyways start tracking and then eventually we got to the point where we just lost blood and there was just deer trails everywhere. And it was kind of like just a shot in the dark. And eventually uh, it kind of reminded me of the archery elk hunt that we were on when our buddy shot that elk. I just found like one little fleck of blood frozen to this little willow branch. And I like worked it with my fingers and it came off. I was like, okay, that's blood. And followed the trail up to the next little opening, like 15 yards. And he was laying there under a blanket of snow. Jesus in this opening and it was uh it was pretty cool and it was uh I'm I'm glad that uh my one buddy there Jay was with me cuz he helped me find a bunch of blood too and he was he's pretty he's a keener and uh yeah he brought a sleigh and he even hauled the deer out of the bush for me it was unbelievable <laughs> um but it was wild cuz we we uh we gutted the deer there and I was like doing a little autopsy on him and I had hit him further back He's quartering away, but so the arrow went through, um, missed the liver, but came up and like ripped open the one, the one lung, like wide open. And the arrow actually came out of his, uh, didn't the broadhead broke off. I found it in his back strap, but the arrow came out of the top of his back. It was like pierced right wow. through. Yeah. And, uh, but I couldn't believe it because like this, this deer's one lung was completely like had a slice right in half essentially. And I, he kept going for like however long he did. Yeah. Like these animals are so tough. It's unbelievable. But yeah, that was, uh, that was excitement for, for the deer season. And it was, uh, it was pretty sweet, man. It was an exciting hunt to call them in like that. And, uh, I'd, I'd never really done that before. And, um, to go from the low to the high on that was, was pretty good as well. And it was like, like I said, my biggest archery buck is a pretty clean four by four. Um, nothing huge though. Probably like, I don't know, maybe 110, 100 to 110 inch buck. Nice. Good eating. Yeah, yeah exactly. I was going to make some, I was going to make some bad joke about how, if you're ever going to do a spinoff podcast, it, the title should be Lockport stories with Chase Trilek. <laughs> I could totally do that. Did I miss anything? <laughs> oh, that's good. I was gonna ask, uh, like, how did you find that thing in the blanket of snow? Because, like, you posted a picture on on our Instagram there, and that thing looked like it was camouflaged into. It looked like a snowbank, is basically what it looked like. Yeah, it, was, it, it, it obviously been laying there for a while. Um. But the first thing I kind of seen was like this this rise, and then I just seen an antler. Oh, so you, like yeah, covered okay. in snow. Yeah. Oh, that's a good sign. 
Yeah. Um, and I guess the other good news is like, thank God the coyotes didn't get it. Cause the, the coyotes are effing bad out there this, this the, past fall. The, the coyote anxiety was real, man. And there there's that area so heavy with coyotes. And I was like, for sure the coyotes got a hold of this thing and they they're chewing it up right now. So I was kind of panicked about that a little bit. Um, I could tell you guys a good coyote story. Yeah. What's, uh, what's your story here? I, I want to ask Chase one more question about yeah, here before, before the coyote. So Chase, you said you turned this thing in with a with a snort wheeze. Yeah, I feel like everyone does the snort wheeze just a bit differently. So I I need you to lay it on us here and like <laughs> you need to give you need to give us your snort wheeze here. I because I need to know it works. Because when See, I when I do it, the deer just cock their head sideways at me. <laughs> yeah, it's weird because it's not something that I've ever practiced either. Just more like, okay, the deers aren't 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 uh, responding to like a grunt call, like antlers. So how do I get this thing to look at me even? So I just do my fingers across my lips, pretty much, and just that's the ticket. I didn't hear anything. I think it came out. I. <laughs> no. <laughs> Maybe it cut out. Yeah, it just looked like you had your fingers across your lips and zoom, and you were like biting a finger. <laughs> try it. Try it farther away from the microphone. See what happens. Okay. No, it, it looks like you're just covering your mouth. Nothing. Nothing. No. So I'll try closer. You're probably doing that on purpose because you don't want to do it. Yeah, I don't even see his cheeks flare up. At Nothing. All. Should... Nothing. <laughs> okay, you're gonna have to post it on the gram. Chase, all right. You, know, you have to post your instructions and and cite this episode as to why you're why you're posting a, a snort wheeze in the middle of January. Hot snort wheeze. I think I actually uh, picked up that method from uh, Michael Waddale, and uh, I th- well, I'm sure there's a ton of calls that you're able to to purchase that now accommodate the snort wheeze. Yeah, but he looks like a snorter. Yeah. <laughs> Shelly, what's your deer story or your coyote oh, story here? I got, well, I got two, I got two stories and I'll try to keep them short. But the first story was, my first story is that um, deer season's coming to an end, right? Like it's like the last few days we go into this pasture that we hunt quite a bit. And um, I was hunting with my cousin and he said, you know, he's like, let's get back in the bush and spend the day back there and we'll set up and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay. So we went and sat up. And seen a couple deer, a couple bucks, and we were set up like right in the bush and on the ground. And um, it was like, I don't know, 12 o'clock or 1230. And we see a few deer and I'm like, well, I'm going to go for a walk. And, we, and I showed him actually we, we had eye hunter and I showed him an eye hunter. This is where I'm going to go just because it was rifle season. Right. And I and in the bush. I just didn't want him to shoot in that direction if something happened. So we're on eye hunter. I was showing him and uh, I get so I'm like, I'm going to go over here. There's another big trail. Lottie, lottie, lotta, whatever. So I go and sit down and I find this, or I go and find this dead tree and it's laying down on the ground. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to put my stool beside the dead tree. I got shooting sticks to my right, dead tree to my left. I'm like, I got, and a shooting lane either way. This is going to be perfect. Um, I put my rifle up on the, on the tree and I'm sitting there and I'm looking, uh, let's say I'm looking like across this dead tree into this opening. And I hear a stick break behind me, but that day it was super windy. Well, not super windy, but it was windy enough where, where, where stuff was kind of, you'd hear a bunch of noise. Uh, the squirrels were active all day. It was a, just, a, it was a beautiful day too. It was like maybe minus five or something. Um, so I didn't think much of it. And so I was just still watching out into this opening 
And then I turned and looked behind my right shoulder and there was a fucking beautiful buck standing there, like 20 yards staring at me. And I'm like, I, like, you gotta be kidding me. Like there's, and there's nothing I could do. My gun was laying on the tree in front of me. Like I could have grabbed it and tried to swing and shoot, but there, it was a bush. Like it's not like I had a lot of time. So I kind of thought, you know, I'm going to wait him out. Maybe he'll just put his head down, start walking again. But no, he was on me. His eyes were on me. His ears were on me. And eventually he he smelt a rat and he took off. And yeah, he was nice and wide and tall. And he was, had the nice dark, dark horns. And yeah, he was a beautiful fucking buck. And so that's that. Um, and everyone's probably thinking on this podcast, like, man, this Sheldon guy, he's a fucking terrible hunter. But um, it was the last night of, sorry, the second last night of rifle season. And the, the, that afternoon, my dad and myself and our neighbor and his daughter decided to do a, a, like push this one bush. Um, so we decided to go push this one bush and yes, there's some nice deer in that bush. Um, I never got a shot anything. There wasn't really too much action, but some nice bucks in there. And, uh, we were all pretty pumped up. And I said to the neighbor, I said, well, why don't you take me with you today? And your daughter can go with my dad and I'll go and hunt with you and we'll try something new. So Aaron's like, yeah, for sure. So he put me in his pickup truck, drove me to the spot where he wanted me to hunt, kind of showed me what to like, where to go and what was happening. And then he dropped me off and left. And within like, I don't know, two minutes, like I, I was getting my shooting sticks out of my backpack. I was setting them up and I looked and there's a freaking nice buck walking across the field. And he was probably about a hundred yards and he was getting to the bush line and I'm fucking freaking out trying to get my gun ready. And I finally got my gun up and he was quartering away and it was just a perfect shot. I shot lots of confidence, good hit. He goes crashing into the bush and I was like, right on. So I texted Aaron and I said, you know, Aaron, I just shot a buck and he's like, bullshit. He's like, I just dropped you off. And I'm like, no, seriously. And we were talking about it on the way there. We're like, let's get out there and shoot a deer early so we can, cause it was cold. It was like minus 20 let's get a deer early and get in so we can have a, you know, a rum and eat some deer meat. And so anyways, <laughs> he's like bullshit. And I'm like, yeah, like I did. And I'm like, I'm pretty confident with the shot and he's probably dead in the bush or whatever. I'm going to leave him for 20 minutes here, half hour and just go for a walk. See if I can find, find the trail and whatever. And he's like, okay, well, he's going to keep on hunting. So anyways, time goes by and I go walking to where I shot him and there's a bunch of blood. And I walked into the bush and there's blood all over the place. Like I was like, oh yeah. And it was good colored blood. And, I was like, oh yeah, this deer is going to be dead. And I walked another maybe 50, 60 yards and not like there was still blood, but he like never stopped. He was still on the run. So I stopped and I said, well, to my, I thought, start thinking to myself, well, what would my dad do? Cause if I don't do the right thing here, he'll probably give me shit or something. So I thought, you know, I'm going to leave the deer for another 10, 15 minutes. And then right before dark, um, I'm going to go into this next bush and see if I can find him. So I texted Aaron. I told him, you know, like, I, I can't find this fucking deer. And he's like, okay, well, I'm going to come to to you and we'll go into that bush together. And I was like, okay. So we go into that bush and there was two beds in there and there's blood all over the place still. And it was getting dark. And I'm like, okay, well, he laid down and we bumped him again. So let's leave him. Like it's too dark. We're just going to keep pushing him. I'm like, maybe that shot wasn't as good. We'll leave him till the morning. So the next morning, um, Aaron had hockey with his kid. My dad had something going on, but Aaron's daughter, she's brand new hunter. She's 12. So she's like, well, I'll go for a walk with you. And I was like, okay, right on. 
So we put on our orange and go to go on eye hunter, check it out. This is where I last left the trail. Um, so we walk to the trail and literally walk in like 10 yards and there's a hunk of fur and I'm like, fuck the coyotes got him. But it, like half of me, I was like, fuck the coyotes got him. The other half of me is like, okay, right on. He's dead. Like I, like this is good, you know? So we kind of inspected the fur and it was, it wasn't even hard. And I mean, it was cold overnight, like minus 20 to 25, probably it was still probably minus 15 or so, or 20 you know, when we went for this walk and, and that piece of hide was still like soft, like you can bend it and stuff. Like it wasn't hard. And so I'm like, okay, well, I'm like, this is really fresh, I think. And there's, there's no way this deer won't be just ahead of us a bit. So I have my gun. Um, Addison's with me. She's just kind of like, just with me she doesn't have a gun or nothing and we're walking and the freaking deer jumps up in front of us and half of its sides like gone and i was just like i had to like move addison out of the way get my gun up i took a shot hit him and he went running into this bush again so now i'm like pretty pumped up i'm like oh yeah there's like no way he's not dead in this bush right so we're high-fiving and I call my dad and I was like, yeah, I'm like, well, I think I got him. And my dad's like, Kate, right on, like, let me know like your plan and I'll come meet you out there and give you a hand pulling him out. And I'm like, yeah, we're just going to wait here for 15 minutes or so. And then we'll walk in this bush. So where I shot him, we, I, I found where I shot him and there's fur and blood and everything all over the place. And I'm like, Kate, like, this is not a problem. Um, and started following this blood trail and we follow this blood trail and it gets less and less and less. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, what is going on? Huh. Like someone like, this is not normal. So I had to like, and honestly, I had to really like think about it. And I, and I, so I backtracked to where I shot him this in the morning and uh, was standing there and I'm looking and I'm kind of like evaluating the, the scenario. And then we're in like this tall grass and it's kind of matted down. And then I kind of moved, some of this long grass and found another spot where he was laying down. It looked like he was like fighting with coyotes. Like it was kind of almost like a massacre scene. And I started thinking about him like, well, I probably pushed those coyotes off of him. Like when we got to the initial part of that trail where that piece of fur was, I'm like, their coyotes were probably on him. And I probably pushed the coyotes off him and he finally got to lay down. So I, I bet you I was on a coyote trail. <laughs> so I was like, fuck. So I went back and I went and found another blood trail that went through the bush. So I followed it and it was just blood on the ground. There wasn't much blood high up in the trees or anything, which I never, I never started thinking about until after, but I followed that trail for about two and a half hours and there's blood and stuff. And then we got into the bush and it like made a circle. And then all of a sudden, like there's deer tracks everywhere back there, by the way. So it's tough, tough track and you need the blood kind of thing. So anyways, that trail was a dead end. So I went back again. And at this time, now I've been in the bush for about four or five hours. It's getting dark again. So I'm like, fuck. So I left, came back the next day, f found another blood trail and followed it to, to nowhere. And that deer, I know for a fact that deer is dead in there, but there's so many blood trails from that massacre scene from coyotes and shit like i don't know what trail was what and there was like it was like um it was like confusion corner there was like fucking trails going everywhere so you just like kind of had to pick one if there's blood on it you'd follow it because you couldn't really tell and the other thing that i will point out the one trail that i thought i'm like oh yeah this is his trail for sure because he had almost had like a drag mark 
And then we got to a fence and there's blood on the other side of the fence, but there was fur at the bottom wire, not the top wire. And the only thing I said in my head, I was like, I'm on a coyote trail. Like I instantly knew I was on a coyote trail and a coyote trail was probably dragging a piece of meat or a piece of fur or something from that poor buck. And then he scooted under the fence and left some fur there. And yeah, there's no fur on top. So I instantly knew I was on a coyote trail. So needless to say, I didn't find this buck, but I've, I've, uh, learned a lot and I learned a lot about tracking and, um, it was, it was a good, like, I mean, got to find some positives out of it. Um, I know a, I know that deer's dead, you know, I fed a bunch of coyotes and birds this winter. Um, but the, yeah, some positives out of it, I guess. And, and learned a lot about tracking and, and yeah, just making that shot. Like this year was, there's a lot of learning curves this year and, you know, having confidence and, and shooting your, your equipment and being confident. And I said that about 300 times now, but, um, yeah, a lot of learning curves. That's my story, Tristan and Chase. Don't laugh at me too loud. So how did you feel about that initial shot? Like excellent. Yeah. That's what, and that's what bothers me the most about the whole story is just like, I made the shot. I, it hit good. He like went down and pulled his leg up and almost like pile drived into the trees. And then, you know, when you shoot it, when you shoot it, especially a whitetail and you make a good shot and there's, and he's running into the bush. Normally they crack everything. They, they, they don't care. They're just trying to get out of there. And if you don't make a good shot, they can almost get out of there pretty quietly. Mm-hmm. But this guy, he like railroaded into the trees and it was crashing around. And I was just like, I was happy. I was like, that's, you can't, there's not, I didn't do anything wrong there, you know, but I don't know. And did you push him that, that first time you were tracking him or did you not catch up to him that day? I didn't catch up to that day, but I did bump him twice because he did lay down twice and both beds. There's quite a bit of blood in it. And yeah, like as much as I think of it, I think I must've hit him low. And I, I don't know, maybe he, I don't know. And it was an, it was a, it was a nice buck. Like he was a mature deer. Um, he had some miles on him. So, I mean, maybe I should have left him longer. Maybe I shouldn't have went and tracked him, but I, but I was so confident in that shot. I thought he was going to be in there dead already, you know? but mm-hmm. and then for those coyotes to get on him and like i said when he jumped up in the morning there in front of us and there's part of his side was hanging off of him and finding that fur and stuff like there's no way he's not dead so that makes me almost feel good like that there's not this injured buck that's you know suffering out there he he is dead i'm 100 mm-hmm. percent confident in that but it's just like how the fuck can i not find him and i'd spent two and a half days looking for him you you and chase <laughs> both have tough buck stories that's pretty <laughs> goes well, to show yeah and it's one that i'll never forget like i said it's it it just yeah it's never really easy and um yeah that story right there just like i said it's just made me think about a lot of different ways when it comes to tracking and dealing with yeah coyotes and birds and everything else and that's the other thing too like the next day i went out looking for birds the day after that i went looking for birds and there wasn't a bird in there you know, and um, so either he went and died into some deep, deep freaking bush shrubbery stuff where the birds can find him. And I don't know, but he's uh, he's I don't know. I don't even know what to say. That's yeah, that's pretty not it's not too ha- often that happens. I feel like in your, your hunting career, but these things kind of do happen. eh? like they just this all everything that can go wrong kind of goes wrong in that scenario. It sounded like. Yeah. yeah. The the wild thing that I think about too is like 
especially after that second shot is like you're you're shooting a 300 short mag which has a lot of horsepower and you know that that deer is pretty beat up already by the time you get another bullet in them you think that thing would just be like toast after that you know you think you'd be able to catch up to them pretty easy yeah exactly um and and that's just and that's a good point and that's one thing that quen was telling me because i was telling him my sob story and you know he's like man you're shooting a 300 you'd think if you got a good shot like it'd do enough damage where he's not going to go far (laughs) that's exactly what i thought too but you know the the kind of the flip side of things too is after that all happened and then you start fucking you know feeling sorry for yourself or whatever and you start hearing stories from other guys and like my i remember after that hunt my dad was telling me a story about this nice buck he shot i think with his black powder and he said it was a super nice buck it was big it was a good shot he is 100 confident he said i could not find that deer and um another guy that hunted that property um found that deer three weeks later dad and picked it up and he wouldn't he wouldn't give it to my dad because i guess it was big enough that he mm-hmm. finders keepers but my dad was like that's the deer i shot um so yeah you start hearing some of those stories about how tough those deer actually are but no excuse yeah how how did the how did the the 12 year old react to the massacre at nipawa with the between the coyotes hanging off this deer and the side the, the zombie deer popping <laughs> up and you throwing another round in it well, the thing is, is that she's like right into hunting. She loves it. She shot her first doe. Um, I think I've told the story before about helping her skin it and helping her track it. And um, to have her out in the bush with me was actually pretty cool. And it was almost eye-opening. Like I, like myself, I don't have kids and there's not too many younger kids that I hunt with. So when I had the opportunity to take her out in the bush and kind of show her a few things. And the cool thing about it is that she wants to learn and she's asking questions and she's like right in there looking for blood too. And like, she's got amazing eyes compared to me, I think, because she was finding shit that I didn't even, I walked right by it, you know, like little, like, Oh, look at there's a little speck on that tree. And I was like, like, Oh, fucking right. You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, like having a, a younger person out there with me and asking questions, it, it really made me feel good. Like, uh, it was cool. It was a really good feeling to have, have a have a partner out there to help me and and want to be there and ask questions and learn and stuff it was cool she's a keener man she was over at the in the shop there with uh, after your dad's buck eating liver with us and all kinds of stuff oh yeah yeah listening to stories probably hearing stories she probably shouldn't hear yet but um. <laughs> <laughs> uh sheldon did you get your your mule deer hunt you're contemplating that did you get that figured out at all well, we were going to go, but then forgot about the Manitoba Outdoor Show, which was the weekend I was trying to plan it for. So kind of kibosh. But by the sounds of the guys that were going to go, um, not too many not too many of them were disappointed because I think the thought of hunting at the end of January where it could be minus 30 is not very ideal. So uh, I don't think there's too many disappointed guys. But um, And the other thing, too, I was going to mention is that maybe if I ever do a spinoff podcast, it'll be the title should be like you miss 100 percent of your shots or something like that. (laughs) Sheldon Grant. Uh, No, don't say that, buddy. Uh, (laughs) And Shelly, you you normally take your meat to the the local guy there in uh, Obermeyer's, is it or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. We actually I mentioned in the last podcast that we we got some meat done or some sausage done this summer. but we took it to the Gladstone one. Uh, I think it's called Jarvis Meats. And I th- there's new owners there and stuff. And and there we did pepperettes and some summer sausage and stuff. It was pretty good. 
but uh yeah overmeyers is is the way to go it's a little bit more a bit more money but you pay for what you get chase do you have any plans for i know you got you got a little bit of meat in the freezer this year do you got any plans or anything new you want to try or something like that uh nothing crazy i think you're just going to plan on streamlining the the sausage process here as best we can and probably pick up most of the the mixins from canada compound the pre-mixed stuff and then uh maybe a little garlic maybe a little summer sausage and uh, uh i'd like to do like a sweet heat too either like a pepperoni or like a smoky kind of thing so yeah not as much time to dick around with things this year that's for sure just kind of we gotta get it ground and get it pumped out i I would say i'd imagine yep yep that's for sure our buddy chris does the uh the salami mix from there and it's really nice yeah yeah he adds in some mustard seeds but it's a nice like tight bind in that which is nice i was i really want to do like a like a fermented salami at some point and try to make like that real sour tangy Mm -hmm. uh, salami i just don't know how to do it right now in a way that makes sense yeah you need that humidifier and stuff and temperature control right it's on the bucket list yeah well i I guess before we we head out i just want to maybe well we got 22 2022 deer season came to close uh had some stories had some lessons uh a little bit of camp but not as much camp as we normally do but uh, what's what's the outlook for 2023 deer season look? You guys will try anything different? You're going to uh, maybe get out a little bit more, a little less, like what are you guys looking for? Um, just if, I want to throw in a few details there, Tristan. I think you might appreciate a little bit of this. But um, at, my, at my dad's place where we hunt, I end up sending up the citizen canvas beside the shop. And slept in there for like four or five days, the wood stove and stuff. So I kind of made myself a little bit of a camp and it was actually pretty nice because a couple mornings there, I got up and um, fire went out. So I got up and went out hunting. So it was kind of cool just kind of camp beside uh, or have a camp at like somebody's house. It was kind of cool. But yeah, for next year, 2023, the only kind of outlook that I really have is I think I'm to the point now where... um, I need to just basically take some time, more time off and get out there. I mean, before I started working on some of these uh, fire restoration projects the last couple of years, I've spent a lot of time out in the bush, just checking things out, sitting in stands like in the middle of June or July, just watching deer and checking things out. And I, I actually truly miss it. I miss just being out in the tree stands and I know it's like cliche. It's like, Oh, it's like, you know, helps out with your mental health and it does all this stuff. It might be a little cliche that way, but it really is something that I really look forward to is being alone in, in the bush in a tree stand. And, um, yeah, I really miss that. So for next year, I'm going to be putting in a lot of time, I think into the pre-scout and then into archery season and hopefully have a little bit of more success than, than this past year. Yeah. The, the time, the time is such a big factor. I find like if you can, find a way to make it work you just can increase not only your odds but just like you said all those other benefits that you kind of you miss along the way right so Mm -hmm. and it kind of takes the pressure off there's nothing worse at least for me than like getting those two days to hunt and you're trying to jam it all into two days and the pressure is just like through the roof so like 
I remember back in the glory days when we would have a week, week and a half to go hunt or something like that. And like the pace just changed. Uh, you were able to get in a rhythm and stuff like that. And that clearly wasn't happening this year. So I think that's what I was missing. Chase, how about you? Uh, how's 2023 looking for, for the old deer season? Um, yeah, nothing major changes. So I don't think we'll see what happens. Uh, I don't know if I'm, I'm going to put in for the archery elk draw or not, but um, chances are pretty low that I'll draw for that anyways. So uh, probably going to be some earlier season hunts, hopefully. And yeah, like you guys said, hopefully trying to put in some more hours, um, a little preseason scouting. You think you'll get the boys out a little bit more or what? what's the... Any any thoughts around that? I'd like to. I got them out a couple times this year, and it's man, they they hiked like at least a half a mile, maybe a little better, half mile, um, a couple times to go sit in the blind with me, which is sweet. And then you know, hiking out in the dark, coyotes are yipping at at in the next bush over kind of thing, and it's and uh, it was an adventure, man. And they 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 hiked the entire way, and I'd I'd like to get them out more for sure. Um, definitely doing the scouting things a little bit easier to get them out and they like doing that and snacking and it's, <laughs> it's not as, uh, intrusive and it's a little easier to do. Right. But, um, yeah, they like, they like getting out and seeing deer and, and being part of the whole process. So I remember hooking up with you after one of those hunts, because that was like, you, you'd taken the boys out to the bean field and I was in the field to the North there, to the, to the East. And, uh, it was the kind of the the first chance to see us since he had been back from Moose Camp, so it was dual dual fold there. I wanted a little lowdown for Moose Camp, but it was also just good to see you again. And you were, you were hiking back through the field with the boys in in the middle of the dark. I'd gotten out earlier than you. I I remember thinking two things like, "Holy shit! I can't believe the boys are just like plodding along through the middle of a field here." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And number two, I better not tell Jody anything about this because I'm pretty sure I just heard the coyotes howl like just five minutes earlier. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Between the bears and the coyotes is like I was I was kind of had on on high alert there, and uh, I was keeping the pace up pretty, keeping those boys pretty tight to me. So yeah. Well, Finn almost fell through the ice hole this this past weekend, so uh, you know you just gotta kind of hope. Hope they uh they don't do anything too wild. Yeah. Well, boys, it was it was a pleasure to to sit down and kind of get the 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 full debrief on the the whitetail season this year. And even though there was a, there was a few highs and lows, like I think that's just all part of it too, right? Like it'd be kind of weird if we definitely wouldn't be the panoramic podcast if we're talking about how we just smoke booners every year. Yeah. And, uh... <laughs> One year. <laughs> This will give, give us one year. How <laughs> uh, we yeah. smoked booners and drank a bunch of rum after, and we only hunted for four days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You'll, you'll see us with our polished videos and our, yeah, 180 inch deer just yeah. lined up like it's no big deal. Yeah. One thing I, I will mention too before we take off, Tristan, is that if anybody is looking to, check us or go to those outdoor shows. There's one in February 3rd, 4th and 5th in Winnipeg, the Manitoba outdoor show. Um, we'll be participating in that. We'll have a booth set up there. So we're going to have a bunch of our gear. Like I said earlier, we're going to have wool love there. So you can check that out. And another thing too, uh, the parkland outdoor show in Yorkton, it's a huge one. It's the 10 year uh, anniversary, I believe. So they got a bunch of stuff like archery shoots, 
all that stuff like that. So we're going to be heading uh, west to Yorkton. I believe it's April, the end of April. I'll get the final dates for the next podcast. Um, but if you're looking at doing something, something different, checking out some uh, different companies, the outdoor side of things, go to the Manitoba Outdoor Show, February 3rd, 4th, and 5th, and look for us at the Yorkton Show at the end of April. Right on, right on. And and my final words before we go to is if you're hitting the ice uh, this winter around Lake Winnipeg, Red River, make sure to pick up some bait at Harvester Outdoors. Five bucks for the bait there. All the proceeds are heading to the Children's Hospital. So I feel like five bucks a tub you can't beat these days. Oof, man, it's regular t- 10 bucks a tub everywhere else. So, you know, five bucks can't go wrong. Yeah. And so if we if we don't see you on the ice, hopefully we'll see you at the show. And if we don't see you at the show, we're going to wish you tight lines. Uh, well, don't forget to sign in your gear, or at least practice with it once in a while. And uh, yeah, make sure you wear that wool love. That's the, that's the final piece of advice. How's that? Yes, you think? Hey, okay, nailed it. All right, let's get the fuck out of here. Adios.